And today is Valentine's Day, and this happens about once every seven years. I get to preach on Valentine's Day. I didn't, I didn't take the time to go back and look and see what I preached last time we had Valentine's Day on a Sunday, but I'm pretty sure that the theme was love. Yeah, it, it, it is the theme that begs to be preached on Valentine's Day. Um, but one of the things that I don't uh, want to get into uh, too much is just the, the, the idea that this uh, should be some sort of a self-help talk on how to experience love in your life or how to get the next date or have uh, a more meaningful uh, this, that, or the other thing. I don't, I don't want to get down that road I, I've, I've struggled really what to preach. In fact, I changed it yesterday, and, and Edie was uh, uh, instrumental in me changing my message uh, to what I'm preaching today. It's not because she didn't like the life of the one I wasn't about to preach. It was because I, I felt uncomfortable with it, and so we talked through it, and she suggested this passage that I'm about to preach uh, here in a moment. Um, but as I, as I began to think and pray, I, I started off on on a particular approach, and we'll talk about that in just a second. I will incorporate that a little bit, but, uh, but I, I felt like we needed something more powerful than just something you can read in a book. I, I felt like that this was uh, a moment in time for us to really see how God wants love to define and mark our relationships. And and we all want that. You know, all of us want a life that is marked by love. Now, that, that is not sentimentality. That is not syrupy soap opera-isms. That's just truth. All of us want to have a life that is marked by love. Uh, and that's not, uh, that, that's not an indication of your marital status. It's not an indication of your... Uh, Facebook relationship status, it's not a, it, it, is, it is how we long to be. We long to taste and know and be nourished by love in our life and in our relationships. We, we want all of our relationships to be marked by love, but, but in our lifetime, we understand, and as we go through this lifetime, we learn more and more how that there are obstacles and challenges to this worthy, I believe, divinely given goal of love marking our relationships and our life. We face these obstacles, and these obstacles can really create such carnage in our life and in our relationships that we, at the end of all the chaos, at the end of of all the carnage, of circumstances that have gone bad, bad things that have been done to us, relationships that have been betrayed, uh, situations and circumstances that didn't go our way. Um, uh, in the midst of all the, the ugly stuff, chasing after counterfeit loves, chasing after this bachelor-style kind of experience where you go into a room and there are how many uh, uh, people of the opposite sex, you have one guy come in who hands you a plate of roses and you say to individuals that you've kind of done a beauty contest on, will you take my rose, will you take my rose, will you take my rose, and your goal is at the end you have found what? True love? Really? And yet that is, 
such a part of our popular culture today that, that we, we find that even as an experience of blocking this love that we long to nourish our soul and mark our life. So the question is, can we really experience a love that, that, that does surround our soul? And nourish our soul. And and the truth is, yes, of course we can. In Ephesians chapter 3, we see Paul praying for his friends in Ephesus that they might be captured and that they might capture a limitless love. His prayer for them is that their relationships with each other in the church, that their relationships, in a moment he's going to be talking about families, their relationships with their families would be marked by love, this limitless love, a love that's beyond normal human reach. And that's the kind of love that, 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 that fairy tales are made of, except it's better. It's the kind of love that, that uh, uh, Nicholas Sparks has made a living writing about, but better. I found out at the 8 o'clock service, Claude and Betty Parent went to go see a Nicholas Sparks type movie, The Choice. Is that it? Oh, wait, we're so glad that you're romantic too. I went to go see The Choice. Anyway, it, we, we, we have all of these things in our culture. And, and even for our young'uns, the, the, those that are, that, that are just beginning this journey of, of, of finding love... And, 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 and they, they have all of these definitions and pictures and portrayals of love that, that come from popular culture, but, but those are normal kind of love. We want a beyond the ordinary, beyond normal kind of love. A love that will truly nourish our soul and our life and our relationships. And the question is, can we get hold of this limitless love? And, and Paul says, yes, you can. In fact, his whole journey here in Ephesians 3 is culminating in this prayer where he he really is praying that that his friends in Ephesus would experience this limitless love. and, And he shows us that the key to this limitless love is faith. And not some nebulous faith, not some just this general faith. You hear people talk about my faith. And, and, and you, this happened with uh, athletes after the Super Bowl. You know, I'm, I'm all about my faith. You know, my faith and my family and, 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 and then football. You know, I think that was Peyton Manning's thing. And, but faith is some nebulous thing. It's, it's, it's this, this generic idea of talking about something. And, and that's not, that's not what, what Paul says unleashes limitless love. It is not some generic kind of faith. It is a living, dynamic, life-changing, life-altering, life-determining faith in Jesus Christ alone. And, and that's really what he says in verse, uh, verse uh, 18 or 19. He says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He's, and that's the hinge point of this prayer that he's praying. It's the, it's the key for us to experience a relationship that is nourished by love, for us to experience a life even without relationships around us, for us to experience a life that is nourished by limitless love. It is faith in Jesus Christ. It is 
faith in who God is and what he longs to do in us and through us. God wants us to be a shining example of the love that flows from his heart. He wants us to be an, an emissary of this love in a world that is so defined by the bachelor. He wants us to be a living demonstration of a love that truly can nourish the soul. But, but maybe you're in that place where you say it's too far gone. I, I, I want that love, but the mistakes I've made are too many. I want that love in my marriage, but it's way too dry and the wilderness is already set. I want, that, I want that kind of love for my children, but, but they've already made their choices and they've already gone too far. I want that kind of love in my friendships, but, but we've already damaged it so much. I want that kind of love, but, but can I really have it? And, and, and this passage says, yes, yes. If we're going to experience limitless love, we need, to, we need to begin in prayer. I've got to tell you, this is not just some sort of uh, uh, little preacher way of getting us to pray more. It is exactly what Paul does. If we're going to experience this limitless love and the faith that unleashes it, we need to begin in prayer. Prayer is the beginning place. Now, that's what Paul says in verse 14. He says, Um, For this reason, I bow my knee to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family of heaven and earth is named. So Paul begins with prayer. Guys, I've got to tell you, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but prayer is where we bring our petitions before God. God brings his answers toward us. He, he, it is this holy, divine communication that he speaks to us uh, in, our, in our heart, but most specifically through his word. It is God using this, this uh, moment of communication to help us, to encourage us, to inspire us. We need to lift our hidden secrets and our hurt hearts before the throne of God in prayer. We need to, we need to lift our, our despairing soul and our, and our joyful uh, uh, exuberance over relationships before the throne of God in prayer. We need to talk to God about our love. We need to pray, oh God, help me be nourished by your love and only by your love. Oh God, give me the faith to trust you to shape my heart for your, with your love. Oh God, be with my husband. Oh God, be with my wife. Oh God, be with my children. May our relationships be nourished and shaped by your love. Oh God, let my relationships in church no longer be defined by my likes or my dislikes, but rather by your love. Oh God, will you shape my heart, my relationships with your love? Paul says, for this reason, I bow my knee. He began in worship. If he was going to talk about love, he wanted to make sure that he began in the right place. And that was knelt down before the throne of God. 
And so many of us are here and we look at our relationships and maybe you're in one of those situations where you look at your husband and you think, what a scoundrel, what a nincompoop, what a terrible, terrible guy. And, and you have right reasons for that because he's been a scoundrel. And he's been a, a nincompoop. And he's been a not very good guy. And you look at him and you think, is there any hope for love to come alive in our marriage again? And I would say instead of going to your neighbor or your friend or your own emotions to to answer that question, first and foremost and daily and consistently kneel before the throne of God in prayer and ask God to resurrect the love that has grown cold. Ask God to resurrect uh, the love in your heart. Not, not, not talking about him yet, just you. Ask God to resurrect the love in your heart for that scoundrel and that nincompoop. And then ask God to shape his heart by God's love so that he is no longer a scoundrel or a nincompoop. Where he repents and he turns full face, full force before you as his wife. Look, prayer does amazing things. And it's so easy for us to define our love by the negative. Where we look at our relationship and we say, well, it's wrong here and it's wrong here and it's wrong here and it's wrong here and therefore it's bad. And that may be true. I'm not saying it's false. I'm saying it may be true. But a more productive way, a way that Paul defines here, is for us, instead of beginning defining our relationship by the negative, let's start praying for God to change the negative. Let's start asking God to do something in our relationships. We look at our children, and maybe our children, man, they hate us. They despise us. It's called the teen years. That's not really true. That's, that's an overgeneralization. But you know what I'm talking about. We go through this season and, and, and they, they, they look at us like, like, like we're unicorns. As parents, something strange and weird and a little bit off. Not really on target. They, they look at us weird and strange. And I understand that, but in, instead of just trying to control them or dominate them or kicking them into shape, and all of those things can be necessary at times. That's a different sermon. It's going to come after Easter, that whole series. But, but, but we need to begin in prayer. We need to lift our relationships before the throne of God. And maybe you say, well, I don't have a husband or a wife. I don't have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. I don't have any children. I'm just sitting here in my home all by myself, all alone. What about me? And I would say, oh, sweet friend, understand that God has his heart open, ready to pour out the most satisfying, limitless love into your soul today. But it begins in prayer. It begins in prayer. And when we pray, then then God begins working and does his work on our heart. And God begins to work on our heart. Paul writes, and there's no way I I was going to list how this, this one sentence, 14 through 19, really 14 through 21, this one sentence is so racked with different clauses and phrases and the reason for it, but, but uh, I'm trying to simplify things because y'all only give me like 30 minutes to preach, and, and I could take more, but then it wouldn't be very loving. Anyway, uh, 
What, what we see here is Paul begins, he says, I, I bow my knee before God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, by the way, oh, I missed this. I missed this. Do you know why it is important to pray, even in a hopeless cause? Because God is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and it is by Him and for Him and from Him that the whole family of on heaven and earth has been named. That means he's the creator. He's the maker. He's got the juice. He's got the power. He's got the authority. There is nothing hopeless with him. Everything is possible. He can resurrect anything. And even though your relationship or your love may seem like a dry, the driest desert of all, and there is only sand in your soul, understand the God who is uh, the, the maker of heaven and earth, uh, from whom the whole family of heaven and earth is named, this same God is the one who can flow and desires to flow the river of His Spirit through your soul and awaken that love that will nourish your life and nourish your relationships. He's got the juice. He can do it. That's why we pray. All right, so as, as we pray, then Paul writes, he says that that he would grant you, or give you, that he would grant you according to, the, uh, uh, according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with all might through his spirit in the inner man. That's a lot of words, but ultimately what those words mean is that God is going to get busy in your heart. That God is going to, by His grace, do surgery in your soul. That inner person, the place where no one can see except you and God. That inner person, the place where decisions are made and emotions are felt. That inner person, that inner man, the place of the will, the place of the heart. And what what Paul says is that he's praying that God would work his work of grace in their inner person. That he would do the surgery, the, 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 the work that needs to be done on their heart. Now guys, i got to tell you, when, when we begin to pray for God to nourish our life and our relationships with his limitless love, we're asking him to do the adjustments that need to be done in our heart, as well as in the heart of those with whom we have relationships. We're asking that adjustment to take place. Adjustments are necessary, they're just not always fun. You've had adjustments in your life. If you've ever gone to a chiropractor, you've had those back adjustments. I've never been. I'm I'm sure it's a wonderful experience. Uh, It it looks painful to me for them to do things with your spine and stuff. It just seems a little bit off. but, But adjustments are necessary, but they're not always fun. Uh, when, when you're playing sports and, and, and you've, you've uh, done all your training for the day, you have to go back to the trainer and, and you need to, you need to uh, ice it down. I, I, if you're a runner, you've got to ice down your knees or, or, or heat them up or heat and then ice and then heat and then ice. And, and I've got to tell you, that was one of the reasons why I knew I was not cut out for sports for a long period of time. I can't stand ice. 
I just, I, it's just not my thing. But, but for, for that need to be uh, uh, healthy, it needed that kind of adjustment. Uh, you break a bone. And, and, or you break your hip, or you, or you have a, a knee replacement or hip replacement. And, and what do you have to do after you go through that, that surgery? You have to go into rehab. And rehab is necessary, but it's not fun. It's an adjustment that needs to be made in the way you do things. Now, friends, understand, if we're going to experience a love that nourishes our life, our soul, as well as our relationships, we need adjustments in our heart. We need a strengthening with might uh, in our heart, in our inner person. And that's what God promises to do. And maybe one of the reasons we short-circuit this love that will nourish our soul is because we decide that the pain of the adjustment is not worth the gain of the nourishing. And if that's where you are, then I'm telling you, I'm begging you, I'm pleading with you. Endure the pain. And, and the promise here is that God will give you the strength you need and the might you need to experience and to endure even the pain of the adjustment so that you might find the nourishment for your life in this love that, he, that is limitless. And, and, and again, every time you see Paul use the phrase, according to his glorious riches, and this is not the only time he's used it in Ephesians, not the only place he uses it in his letters. But anytime you see that phrase, according to his glorious riches, he's talking about limitless resources. Because there is no limit to God's glorious riches. He, he's saying, Paul's saying, I'm asking God to give you a, a, an eternal supply of strength and might by his spirit so that you might... Have your heart adjusted the way it needs to be adjusted. But it's not just a prayer that you're asking for yourself. You're asking it for those in whom, with whom you have relationships. Do you realize there are people that need adjusted in, in, that you're in a relationship with? I mean, in, in my relationship with my children and with my wife, I mean, again, I am the only man. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. I am dumb as mud. When it comes to women, I have no clue. And I know that there are things that I'm supposed to say that I don't say. I know there are things I'm supposed to do that I don't do. Even worse, I blow it. I mean, I blow it. I do the wrong things at the wrong times. I I speak when I should listen. I try to fix when all they want is me to hold out my shoulder and let them cry. I get angry and frustrated when I should have tenderness and compassion. There's so many things that I do wrong. And Edie needs to pray for me every day. Oh God, adjust his heart. Adjust his heart. We, we need to know that God, who is sovereign in His purposes, is sovereign in His purpose so much that He will adjust your heart and the heart of those in, with whom you have relationship. God works on our heart. 
And that's his spirit's work. But as he works on our heart, Paul goes on and he says, now, now here's what, here's what my, my prayer or the result of this, this, uh, this work on your, on, in your inner man might be. That Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. You see that? That Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. Now, what, Paul, what is Paul saying there? He's saying, well, here is the key. For us to be nourished by love in our life and in our relationship. That Christ may dwell in our heart through faith. That Jesus might be more than just a house guest. That Jesus might have more than just a guest room. That Jesus might be more than just an afternoon visitor or a weekend attender in our life. What, what Paul is saying is that, that if, if we're going to experience this, oh, this wondrous power of God's grace in our life to give us an adjustment in our inner being so that we can taste this limitless love, the key to this wondrous love is that we get more of Jesus. Because more of Jesus means more love. When I say more of Jesus, I'm talking about the intimacy factor here. The more intimate we are with Jesus, the more we've yielded to him, the more we've given him our life, the more we've looked to him for direction and strength and hope and courage and correction and exhortation and inspiration and nourishment. When we look to Jesus more, the more love we will find in return. This is what is so wrong with so many of our relationships. So what I've done so wrong in my relationships. He said, I've looked to myself or my emotions or other people or other wisdom first. And only when it looked like it was a crisis did I then turn to Jesus to bail me out. Friends, that's not Jesus being at home in our heart through faith. Jesus being at home in our heart through faith is when we, at the very beginning and the outset of every day, look to Jesus for wisdom. Oh, Jesus, help me, show me, teach me, direct me, correct me. Oh, Jesus, this is my prayer regularly. Oh, Jesus, shut my mouth. And you speak. You see, it's only until we start looking to Jesus as the one who is nourishing our soul with God's love. It's only when we look to Jesus to give us the wisdom and the discernment of how to live in relationship with others. It's only when we look first to Jesus. It's only when we are living in intimacy with Jesus that we will gain the strength and the wisdom and the mind and the power and the inspiration and the correction that we need to allow love, His limitless love, to flourish in our relationships. Who do you you go to first for relationship advice? If it's not Jesus, then understand you got work to do. He, he must be the first and the primary. He must be the king of our relationships. In our heart, 
He must be the king so that we're nourished by the right things. Namely, his love. Which leads to the last point. More Jesus means more love. And, and, and the reality is that, that what we need to do then is, is daily commit ourselves and chase after and embrace Christ's limitless love. This limitless love is available to us. The promise of this passage is this limitless love, this love that is beyond comprehension, this love that is beyond normal reach, this love that will satisfy our soul, this love that will nourish us completely, this love that will absolutely transform our relationships. This love is available to us. But we've got to struggle for it. And that's really the point that Paul makes he says that, you, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith so that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, Paul says uh, that, that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints. That verb for comprehend doesn't mean merely to understand. It, it doesn't mean merely to get the, the facts down straight. It doesn't mean merely to, to have a, 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 an understanding. I took notes of the preacher's sermon today, so I've got a pretty clear comprehension of the text. Uh, that's not what he's talking about. That verb means to wrestle and to fight until you make it your own. It means to struggle until you gain possession. There is a picture here that we must do this daily work of embracing, of, uh, uh, of fighting and struggling, of, of, of allowing Jesus to adjust our thinking and our, and, and our, and our feelings so that our living is, 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 is nourished by Christ's limitless love. It means that we need to allow Jesus and by His Spirit to have full sway in the way we think so that we have a better way of living. It's waking up every morning and saying, I'm going to take hold of this love, this limitless love, this love of Jesus, so that every other relationship is defined by my relationship with Jesus rather than having all these other relationships and putting my relationship with Jesus in a corner until I deal with all these other relationships. See, if we're going to be nourished by Christ's love, then every day we must allow our relationship with Jesus to define every aspect of our life. And that is a struggle sometimes. That's a struggle sometimes in our relationships because we, we're human beings. I mean, we're merely human beings, right? And, and, and we, have, we have emotions that we feel and we have wills that we have to conquer. There are things in us that are contrary to what God wants and what Jesus says. I know that to be true because I live it every day, don't you? 
But if I'm going to experience and be nourished by this limitless limitless love of Jesus, that means that I'm going to wake up and I'm going to struggle with my will. And I'm going to struggle with my affections and my emotions. And I'm going to submit them to Jesus. And I'm going to let Jesus and his heart have full sway in my life so that I'm living today according to this limitless love that I might know the, the height and the width and the length and the depth This love of Jesus Christ, this love that is limitless, that is high enough to reach to the heaven, that is deep enough to reach to the darkest places of my soul, that is long enough to endure my stubbornness and is wide enough to forgive my sin. It is this love that I need in my life every day. And by God's grace, I'm going to fight until it's mine and I'm not going to let up. Guys, I got to tell you that. That is a great valentine. For us to have this love that surpasses knowledge. And the result will be that we will be filled with all the fullness of God. Yeah, that's, that's really what Paul's prayer aims at. That you and I would be filled with all the fullness of God. Not that, not that we would, not that we would uh, feel ooey-gooey, uh, you know, cool breeze on a hot summer day kind of love. But that we would be satisfied by God every day of our life. You know, my prayer for my marriage, my prayer for my family, is that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. And so I'm going to do my part today and every day. I'm going to pray for it to happen. I'm going to submit myself to the Spirit's work as God works on my heart. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to chase after more of Jesus every day and allow Him to have room in my heart every day, not just a, a welcome guest every now and then. And I'm going to struggle and fight and take hold of this limitless love. This love that surpasses knowledge. This love that's beyond the ordinary. For as I am satisfied by that love, I'm telling you, I'm a better husband. I'm a better father. I'm a better friend. I'm a better pastor. Today, will you take hold of Christ's limitless love? Would you bow your heads with me, please? Can I just humbly suggest that perhaps the best thing that you can do right now is pray? And maybe you and your spouse or your special friend or... Someone that knows you, maybe you can, God is leading you to come here to this altar and pray. Pray for God's love to nourish your soul. Pray for this limitless love to take hold of you. Are there adjustments that need to be made in your heart? As there are in mine. Maybe you need to ask God to make you tender to his adjusting work. Places where you need to yield yourself to the Spirit of God.
stop fighting. Today, my hope and prayer for us is the same as Paul. I bow my knees before you, O God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family of heaven and earth is named. And I pray that you would grant us to be strengthened with all might through your Spirit in our inner man. That Jesus might make his home in our heart through faith. So that we, being rooted and grounded in love, might be able to comprehend with all the saints the height and the depth, the length and the width, to know the love of Jesus Christ, which surpasses knowledge, so that we might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, Father, I ask you to answer this prayer among your people today. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.